Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright. Credit to Pete Wright. <laughs> Today we're talking about Minute 116, which begins with a trio of casting agents and ends with a pan away from a soldier throwing a grenade. Joining us on the show today, we are thrilled to have returning credits champion Tommy Metz III, director of 30 Nights of Sex to Save Your Marriage. Hello, Tommy. Hi, I'm sorry I stepped on my own credit, but it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me for the credit sequence. <laughs> the credits champion, yes. What did I do this for before? You have covered more minutes of credits with us. <laughs> Iron, Man. Iron Man. Iron Man. Uh, right. did you, did, mm-hmm. I don't think you ended up joining us on Thor. but I don't uh, think so either. No. <laughs> well, yeah, these credits. <laughs> Tom, I have to imagine, of the Marvel movies credits, <laughs> yeah. I think that these are your favorites. <laughs> the credits? <laughs> well, here's here's a fun fact. There's a chance I never saw this movie. Is that possible? I don't remember much of this movie. Like, even now? <laughs> like, joining us for this show? Well, I mean, because I, I just watched the first half of it, as I explained off mic, uh, because I couldn't get my act together. And I don't remember almost any of it. Is it possible that I hadn't joined? Because I saw Iron Man. And then I think I saw Iron Man. When did Iron Man 2? It doesn't matter. Because I don't remember a lot of this stuff. But this is very up my alley because it's not terribly superhero-y. Yeah. It's cool. Well, you only have seen the first half. Just wait. <laughs> oh, does it go? Yeah. <laughs> well, there are a lot of blue, blue, there's blue goo. So blue, much blue, blue shiny, spray goo, splody yeah. goo. Yes, you did, I have did, seen I, some I, of that. I think and you, did you, you see Red that. Skull take his face off yet? Has, no, has Hugo but, Weaving ripped his skin off? Okay, so no, you haven't seen that No, he's still yet. looking weird and he's having weird pictures painted of him. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> I love thinking that we're talking with somebody who potentially has only seen half of Jackson and the First Adventure. I don't know. My one job was to watch this I don't know movie. This, this actually makes it better or dramatically worse. I think we'll see. I am chock full just of observations from the first half because I really did a deep dive in the first half. And remember, you only signed me up to do this. Oh, I don't know, months ago. <laughs> where does the time go? Literally day by day. That's how it goes. Yeah, that's where. Yes. Well, okay. So you've seen half of Captain America. Yeah. So thoughts. I'd love to know uh, what you were thinking. Because you said you enjoyed kind of the aesthetic. With This is obviously the the periodist of period Captain America films that we've – or uh, MCU films that we've had. Where yeah. the whole thing is in the, the 40s. So It's so periody. But I realized that my threshold for like that cliche of like hats and stickball, it's all in here. <laughs> and I love it. Like, I oh, love okay. that aesthetic of the 40s and how we've just decided that everyone <laughs> looked the exact same <laughs> and everything was an alley and everyone wore hats. Uh, so I'm really enjoying that. <laughs> I am surprised how shooty it is. Oh, OK. I guess I forgot that Captain America was he just like running around with guns a lot? Like in the comic books? Like he has a gun. I thought that was like Black Widow's territory. He he moves away from guns um at once he really kind of takes the shield up and starts using that. Um yeah. th- that kind of becomes his thing. I don't think I think there were more guns possibly in some of the earlier comics, but um I think by the time they 
and I, I'm speaking probably out of turn, some of our other guests who read more of the comics probably clarified this and I'm probably messing it up now, but my recollection is that once kind of he came back into the fold in the sixties uh, with Stanley and all them bringing him to join the Avengers and stuff that it was pretty much just all shield. By that Got point. it. Well, cause it makes sense. Like when they're, cause where I got to is the big prison break. Uh, and so now they're shooting blue lasers that feels so much more, um, <laughs> that feels so much more marvelly than Tommy guns. And there's like a lot of people shot in the head in the beginning. <laughs> what is this? We've talked about how this is possibly the bloodiest of the Marvel films. Because yes. later in the film, which you haven't seen, there is a point where they're fighting on a little drop plane that came off of the big airplane. Okay. And Captain America and one of the Hydra pilots are hanging on as the, uh, the third character, another Hydra pilot, is flying it straight up into the air. And the Hydra pilot, who's hanging on for dear life, slips and falls through the propellers, and you just see a cloud of red uh, uh, oh, man. dust. Uh, it's not really dust. cloud of red uh, drops. <laughs> red mist. <laughs> red, red mist. mist yeah. Appear behind the plane. And that's like something that you just don't get a lot in the Marvel films. No, uh, that is so. very surprising. I guess maybe they're leaning into that Harrison Ford, Indiana yeah. Jones kind of aesthetic. Yeah, it felt that way. Okay. Right. One thing that I think is really funny is you actually got incredibly close to what we affectionately called uh, the John Hughes ending, or I should say Pete <laughs> ended up calling it the John Hughes ending, which is yeah. like minutes away from where you are from the prison break. Like it goes through a prison break and Captain America frees everybody. He confronts Red Skull, who tears his face off and reveals Ooh. the Red Skull. Got it. The reason he's named Red Skull. And then they blow the factory up and they uh captain america walks all the troops back to the base and it feels literally like the end of the movie uh. in the middle of the movie and i kind of wish you got that oh, far. yeah like crane up <laughs> over the crowd oh yeah interesting yeah, that would have been actually a satisfying end to chapter one yeah. of your viewing of cap and i think you would have appreciated <laughs> Did- because it includes a lot of walking in the woods which you're a uh, noted supporter of yeah and so uh, <laughs> no, I literally ended on a countdown. <laughs> That's how terrible. <laughs> he just flipped all the destroy the base switches that I said time to go talk about this movie. <laughs> so annoying. You knew can I was going to do something. Can we just up. set the can we just set the stage a little bit because for those who think that you are like a noted antagonist to this show by showing up without having watched. Uh, can you just set the stage for where you stand on the Marvel and superhero movies in general? Yes, I have a lot of respect for them. I do not enjoy them. A ton. <laughs> I've never grew up being a superhero guy. My closest superhero was Batman, who is very famous. His rich. He's just rich. That's his uh, superpower. <laughs> uh, he's rich. And he looks around a lot and he says things like Martha. Um, and so I always loved that more like the opposite of, uh, Superman, any of that. I just never, I read scary comics. So while I say I respect them, well, no, I do. I really do respect them. And I think that the care, I was blown away living vicariously in the movie when they all showed up on your left, which movie was that? Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. That was like I started crying in the theater and I didn't really care, but I couldn't imagine how much it meant to so many people. And they really are doing a great job. Case in point, whatever is still happening over at DC, 
who just can't seem to get out of their own way. I still to this day don't know what Black Adam is, and it freaks me out. <laughs> um, so the care of the different phases, and it's Kevin Feige, 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 Kevin Feige, who credit um, observation number one. Ready? Mm-hmm. Chris Evans, mm-hmm. two assistants. Kevin Feige, one. Yeah. Chris Evans needs two assistants, and Kevin Feige's just hanging out with Jonathan, and both of their assistants are named Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Evans has the hair. <laughs> it's just, it's just one a follicle is just for the, It's the hair. It's the follicle assistant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they didn't have enough characters to put follicle in there, so it's just yeah. an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so generally these movies aren't really for me, and I've really kind of dropped off. I was seeing them pretty regularly because we were doing them all on the film board, and that sort of really thrust me into that i like ones that some like i like the doctor strange ones ones that some other people don't like i i don't know i just i don't care for big boss battles i'm lost in a lot of the um story architecture i've never to this day understood a single post or mid credit sequence thing <laughs> where they like open it they're like i found a shoe and the entire audience is like wow like, <laughs> i call it the darn i've told you on this before i call it the darnell moment because i immediately call my friend darnell and say what was this shoe and he's like okay <laughs> <laughs> so hamburger man has this big yeah i think there was a hamburger man in there um yeah but so uh this aesthetic i should have seen this one is more for me because it's really just like running around and punching people. And that's fun. Are you in general, would you say a fan of Joe Johnston? Like, uh, are you a fan of things like uh, the Rocketeer, October Sky, October Sky, I think would be the one. This feels October Sky ish compared to like, honey, I shrunk the kid. Did he do honey? I shrunk the kids. Yep. Or did I make that yeah. up. Yeah. I wonder if that was like one of the reasons that he was given this is because it has that sort of Spielberg ish. I for nostalgia, low light kind of stuff which is interesting yeah yeah we we've talked about how it feels very it's tapped into kind of a lot of that aesthetic that he did in films like the rocketeer which takes place during the same time period in right. October sky and uh you know he i mean he came up with the lucas and spielberg team working over at ilm so obviously had kind of a a thread with Got them and, and kind of their sorts of storytelling so um yeah i mean I, I he's an interesting filmmaker to tackle this project and and bring that aesthetic to it which i think uh, generally worked for a lot of people it definitely did for me there is one thing that I, every once in a while would just keep giggling about like i get it he's a small guy like the first chris <laughs> evans because they film him in ways you wouldn't ever film a person <laughs> <laughs> like he's sitting on a chair and like his head is barely at the bottom third of the screen. And you're like, well, you would lower the camera. <laughs> he's not next to like Hagrid, the horror. Like, with Hagrid from, like you would lower the camera. It's just weird. And I get it. Like he's getting, yes, get kicked on and stuff like that. And so that all makes sense, but it is kind of funny and it is legitimately impressive. Yeah. Like putting his face on yeah. Scrawny McGee. But I feel like they maybe <laughs> lean into it a little hard every once in a while where he's just like, ah, boy, oh, boy. And like caked up on, on a stool at a diner. <laughs> so I kind of enjoyed that. And then when Pop and Fresh Dough, when he comes out 
of the machine. I was like, okay, now we're done. <laughs> there he fresh. is. Yeah. No, it's popping fresh. It's popping fresh. Man. <laughs> He's had plenty of time <laughs> to rise. Yep. Uh, I don't know if I should say that. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that form email said this was a family show. Um, I, always, I thought it was really cool. And this is another reason why there's, there's a chance I never saw it. How much Tony Stark's dad is in it. Like that mm, he was there sure. for the creation mm-hmm. of it. That's so cool. Yeah. This, that kind of stuff makes me wish I was less of a Scrooge about this stuff. Cause I bet <laughs> I love that through line. And I bet that would be really fascinating had I understood it. But if I saw this movie, if I saw this movie, I don't think I would have understood who that was or what was going on. And so I'm guessing you also didn't watch the Agent Carter TV show because that had kind of a continuation with a, yeah. uh, Peggy Carter with, uh, with Howard Stark. They were all kind of in it. And it was 40s era without really kind of all the superhero stuff. It was just kind of spy stories. Got it. I remember I didn't see Agent Carter, but I remember liking uh, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. yeah. I like yeah. that because that was just like a Cold War thriller. Right. That was like yeah. a Tom Clancy, if I remember that correctly. And I really liked that a lot. With some really strong people who can jump real, real high. <laughs> real, real high. Yeah. And take yeah. and really know how to take a fall. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Ryan's not quite there yet. Yeah, <laughs> I like it because I brought up the pop and fresh dough scene. I like that they have to fill him with blue light and then infuse him with vitamins. <laughs> they have a, like it's so 1940s to be like, and then we will punch him with Flintstone jewels. <laughs> it's just like it's a vita ray. <laughs> I thought that was so great. I was hoping there would be like one button that said vim and one that said vigor. <laughs> they just keep pressing them back and forth. <laughs> That felt a bit vital. <laughs> Too much felt- film. Get more <laughs> yeah, vigor in there. More vigor. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that was really funny. Oh, that's fantastic. I think I, I do think, Tom, I'm going to lean in on that. I think you should absolutely finish the movie. That is what I think you should do. You I'm going to finish the well, movie. Because I, I had to rent it. I don't have Disney Plus, so I rented it for today. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to watch it today and see all the bluey, uh, gooey stuff. And that'll be really fun. And the plane, because I think you'll have some real comments on the plane. <laughs> Wish we could talk about those. But uh... <laughs> hey, I came here to talk about how many assistants Chris Evans has. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you I was not assigned a viable uh, Tom minute. Metz understood the assignment. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of credits, um, I guess we should jump into some of them. Actually, we we are still in the point of the credits. My first question for both of you is, do you like this style of credits where um, oftentimes they'll pull the opening credits off of the beginning of the film and they'll kind of have a scene at the end of the film, which is kind of like all the art and the cool style designed credits and then roll into the credits. Do you like seeing that those sorts of credits like the really well-designed credits and how they play out when they're at the end what is the reason for that is it so we can just dive right into the movie i think that's why a lot of uh filmmakers like is you don't have to sit there like i mean you watch you know you put on casablanca or something and you're watching credits for five minutes sure uh, before (laughs) before the movie starts and i you know, I don't know. I don't I don't mind the opening credits. I know some people really just like, I just want to see the movie. I don't want to sit through all these names. I like credits in the beginning because it's sort of, especially if you're in the theater, it's just a, I mean, I'm an old man, but it's just like a part of it for me. It's sort of like if they just play a little bit of music and the credits and the font choice gets me in the mood for that movie. Yeah. Versus it sort of being like a smack in the face. But I love 
I love propaganda. I don't, I hate propaganda. Propaganda is terrible, but I love propaganda imagery. Actually, in college, because I'm the world's biggest weirdo, I actually had old propaganda posters oh. on my wall instead of like the re- the inevitable Pulp Fiction poster. I had one or Scar- like or Scarface, right? Scarface. Yeah, <laughs> there was this one. It was my favorite one. It was a woman, and she was sort of dressed in a sailor's costume. And she was like, I wish I were a man because then I'd fight for the U.S. Navy. And I thought that was oh such a gosh. weird way to get around it. Um, yeah, so I love this credit sequence, the beginning of this with all the names and all the different famous and the fact that they used legitimate uh, propaganda with Rosie right, right, right. and other things, which is kind of neat. I, one, love these credits. I wish the entire, I, I don't like the credit scroll. I want all the credits to be just a massive amount of work for the animators <laughs> to the very bitter end. More planes and propaganda, 3D uh, stereoscopic uh, propaganda pictures. I think they're really, really fun. I definitely don't like credits up front. I am, oh. I, I oh, want okay. to be slapped in the face hard. Like, just give me the movie, a nice, elegant intro into the movie without the credits. <laughs> Save them at the end. But I also am a huge fan of mid and post credit sequences. I wish, like, uh, uh, classics had more credit sequences. Double indemnity. Show me a tie into a potential <laughs> sequel. <laughs> After the credits roll, like I want every movie to have credits because I I actually like watching credits, but I also like getting a treat for watching the credits. I like give me a little mm, give me a little kiss for sticking around (laughs) and watching to the very end. So I'm I'm a real fan with the kind of evolution of credits and pushing them to the end, making them more robust and saving a little bit of story. That is a nice teaser for something else uh, or or a coda to the to the film itself. Uh, at the end, it doesn't have to be a sequel teaser. It can just be like, hey, here's here's a little bit more. Here's just a bite. Uh, I'm a real fan. I'm 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 a real bull. <laughs> You're all in on credits. <laughs> I'm all in on credits. That's fantastic. <laughs> I watched, I did this whole show with Andy yeah. just to get to these minutes. And I can't believe we <laughs> only mentioned assistance so far. Uh, he's been waiting. This is we finally hear and it's it, we still haven't yeah. talked about him. So Oh my goodness. Pete, you're gonna love the mid credit scene uh, sequence in She Said. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a phone ring so someone picks it up and goes he did what and then it goes right back to the credits <laughs> oh all right um well let's do you want to talk about names first or do you want to talk about uh propaganda propaganda yes all right so there are we get a whole bunch of fantastic um art that as as tommy already said we are i mean these were pulled from real pieces of world war ii propaganda um i don't have the artists for all of them but i do have the the taglines and slogans that went with um uh, with almost all of them there's one that i couldn't quite find and i'm not quite sure um where they got it from but first thing we see when we're looking at our casting is uh, i believe we talked about this a little bit last time Pete, but it's a sailor and he's holding a bag and what it says on the poster is, if you tell where he's going, he may never get there. Oh, loose lips. I love that one so much. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but look at his face. Like, the funniest thing about it is, like, he's so happy, like, to be getting shipped overseas. And it's, like, such a scary message that goes along with it. <laughs> this is Daniel. He's already dead. <laughs> <You're> like, why? <laughs> 
it's I, I I I don't know. I question it a little bit, but I get what they're doing. They're like, this is a this is a happy go lucky sailor, and he's going to go serve for our country, but you're going to kill him because you can't shut right. up. <laughs> <laughs> Calling Aunt Marge over in uh, in Switzerland. Guess yeah. where Johnny's going? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so next up, when we see Chris Evans' name, it's actually an airplane. It's got like um, some patriotic uh, writing on it and stuff. But this is actually, from what I can tell, uh, the whole front part of the plane is actually just created by the team who did the credits. It's actually when we pan up to the pilot who's leaning out of the cockpit looking back. That's actually what largely the art print is plus a little bit of the that little star that we have on it and this this uh says keep him flying by war bonds mhm oh war, war bonds many war bonds yeah i've never understood what war bonds or victory gardens are can you explain them to me please but a war bond is basically something that it's a bond that you could buy from the government um you it's it's a security so they're holding your money and they get to use that money for the war. And then after a certain period of time, you can then cash it in with some interest or whatever. But got it. Okay. Um, it's a way for the government to get uh, additional money. Right. Because they needed it during the war. The Victory Garden, I thought, was the thing that they encouraged everybody to plant Victory Gardens in their own backyards for fruits and vegetables and such to ease the strain on supply chain for food. food. Got it. Okay. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. So, yeah, anyway, war bonds, I mean, we talked about that a lot in this movie because of the musical scene when, when Steve is selling war bonds. That's fun and... how long that sequence goes for. Like, it seems to go for minutes. <laughs> Did you cover oh, that montage? USO show for, like, over and over and over again? We yeah. were singing Star Spangled Man, which we're going to be doing here because now we yep. get to do it again in the credits. <laughs> we yep. were singing that song. It felt like for weeks because <laughs> just it never ended, never yeah. ended. Uh, but it's it's fun. I like that. It's Alan Menken, so uh, it's hard to complain too much. All right, so the next image we see is a truck pulling a cannon, and there's an explosion going off uh, in the poster there is, not in, in what we see here. And it, if you look carefully as it whips from the, the pilot to this, you can see a little bit of what it says underneath it. it what it actually says is, let's pull together to keep them pulling for victory. So just it's enough. impossible oh. to read them without the like transatlantic. There we go, boys. <laughs> yeah, keep I know. pulling for victory. Yeah, pulling keep for America victory. American. <laughs> <laughs> this is Daniel. He's already dead. Right. <laughs> now the next one, as you already called out, is in fact the we can do it, Rosie the R- Riveter. Now, what I, I wanted to talk about this one a little bit because I find this interesting, and I don't, I had never done research on. Rosie the Riveter before, or the We Can Do It poster. But what's interesting about it is they weren't actually connected at all. In fact, this poster is not Rosie the Riveter. Rosie the Riveter, you can see on a Norman Rockwell painting, and there was a song, Rosie the Riveter. This poster was actually designed by Westinghouse to be used internally just to inspire their workers to work. They they hired this artist, J. Howard Miller, in 1943 to create some posters to use in-house just to get the workers working. And there were things like, together we can do it. Keep them firing. Any questions about your work? Ask your supervisor. Huh. And then this one, we can do it. <laughs> 
And they were just. I think the, they should have used the ask your supervisor for the end credits. <laughs> Don't leave milk in the fridge. All right. <laughs> Never eat anything bigger than your head. <laughs> and so. Also, this, shut the hell up. All of you. <laughs> Get to work. <laughs> oh, there's so much fun. So this one actually. Well, I never knew that. Was specific. I didn't know either. And it was actually very. Um, like people during World War II hardly ever saw this unless you worked at Westinghouse Electric. Huh. And it actually didn't start kind of coming out until the 80s as a way to kind of promote feminism. And the whole image uh, became kind of very iconic at that point. So so decades after it was actually used and then politicians started using it and it just huh. kind of became a huge, huge thing. But this poster is actually one of the 10 most requested images at the National Archives and Records Administration showing how popular it is. Wow. And the whole Rosie the Riveter element of it uh, kind of ended up getting added to it because of this Norman Rockwell painting called Rosie the Riveter, who, I mean, you know, she has a similar look. She's wearing a red scarf on her head. She's wearing a blue shirt. But in the painting, she's sitting on a bench and she's she has a, um, a jackhammer in her lap and she's eating a sandwich. She's like on her lunch break. But Norman Rockwell is very, like his family is uh really um keeps all of his um property very they keep their grips tight on the copyright and so mm. they weren't able to use it a lot and this really nobody was protecting it all and so they kind of ended up kind of crossing the two and that's the point when it started becoming known uh as nice. rosie the riveter in this wow. particular picture yeah I love that. That's fascinating. So, yeah, 1982, I think, is about when that crossover happened. So, very strange, but uh, I had no idea. Now, and now you know. <laughs> <laughs> she's at the, the Saturday Evening Post cover is fascinating. Like, she's, you know, she's sort of cherubic, uh, curly red hair. Uh, she's got the goggles on her forehead. Uh, like you said, eating her sandwich, looking off into the, uh, it looks like she's looking down on something. Um but she, it looks sort of playful, mm. a little bit more playful than the than the sort of severity of the we can do it. Yeah, yeah. we can yeah. do it. The Riveter. It's it's really interesting. I I've, I've never seen this image before. Um, she's also buff. Yeah, like, this is a seriously. Yeah, this is she's don't you don't want to <laughs> come across her in a yeah. dark alley. She can do it late at night. Yeah. She's <laughs> a superhero all on <laughs> she's her own. A superhero on her own. Yeah, <laughs> she's serious. So that's Rosie. Yeah. And, the, and next we have uh, a row of men holding giant uh, munitions. Uh, just these huge bullets or things for cannons. I'm not exactly sure, but they look like giant bullets. And this one says, keep them coming and coming right. They want their... <laughs> uh, they, they don't want <laughs> bullets that don't work, apparently. Yeah. I guess that's yeah. what they're selling there. At first, right. when I saw this, I wasn't paying attention. And I actually thought that when Dominic Cooper's name popped up, that it was just a giant pencil that the guys were holding. It looks like it. Yeah. Once it you, once you like get pencils. past it, it looks, yeah, <laughs> it kind of looks like a pencil. So, well, and it totally skips Sebastian Stan's name. It's like they've, they've double dutied that poster mm -hmm. by putting Stan and Cooper on the same frame. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do that a few times. Like Tommy Lee Jones and Chris Evans are both on the same airplane. Yeah. And then, then the bullets fire. 
And then mm. you have all the tanks. Now, I was going to quiz you on all the flags on these, but I didn't have a chance to start looking all of them. Up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is a whole bunch of cannons. They're all shooting straight up into the air. And the poster says, united, we are strong. United, we will win. So very much mm. a poster promoting working with our uh, fellow countries to fight against the Nazis in World War II. Adorable. Yeah. <laughs> adorable. Just, just adorable. And uh, then we move on to now this next poster. I couldn't quite figure out. This is the one that I was really struggling with. It's a guy on top of a tank uh, when we see Neil McDonough's name. And then we kind of zoom out and we see some soldiers running. We pan up and we see some planes. I could not find a poster that had this in it. And so it was a little frustrating, but I did find something that was similar. And I'm like, well, maybe they kind of pulled from it because they were changing things anyway. If it is, it does say, Let, let's keep the offensive rolling, keep America free. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, then we cut to the red guy. I just call him the red guy because he, he's, a, he's a guy who's all red. <laughs> he's holding a gun. And yes, this says Stanley Tucci. And this one says, keep it up, brother. This war is not won by a damn sight. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who writes these? <laughs> this war's not done. That's never been slain. This war's not won <laughs> by a damn sight. That's uh, not the, a thing. <laughs> this was the War Production Drive Committee who had uh, per, uh, had sponsored this one, getting it getting it made. So, <laughs> yeah, great, funny. Yeah, and then the last one we see here, it's actually uh, the man throwing the grenade, and it says, "Let him have it." By uh, extra bonds. This oh. is promoting the fourth war loan campaign because I didn't realize this. There are actually eight war loan drives uh, conducted from 1942 to 1945. And by the end of the war, 85 million Americans had purchased $185.7 billion <gasps> worth of war bonds. Wow. Back yeah. then? That's significant. That's that is, crazy. That is a lot. That is a lot. So that's all money funneling into the government to help pay for the war. Wow. Yeah. yeah. When you brought up someone throwing a grenade, I liked that when he finally, the thing that gets him over to get the job to be Mr. America is when he throws himself on that grenade, the Tommy Lee yeah. Jones mm -hmm. throws, and they had to do a finest hours. Did you hear in the background? Someone goes, Tommy grenade. <laughs> and I was like, because one guy was like, I don't get it. <laughs> Dummy grenade. <laughs> Can you imagine being the person that has to go in and record that wild line? Just do it three times in a row. Dummy grenade? It's not a real one. It's fake. <laughs> it's fake. That's the that's the image that they yeah. should have had Chris Evans on. The, yeah, the guy yes. with the grenade. That would have been fitting. Dummy grenade. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do either of you have a particular favorite of this bunch? Well, I like the last one because of two things. First of all, he's all like lean and sinewy. It looks like he's been fighting a war and not eating for a long time. And that's like <laughs> feels like like it's very much the war to me. And, but also because now that I know that it's that they've already had the buy war bonds poster earlier in this same minute. And now it's buy more bonds. And I think that's a charming bookend to this particular <laughs> minute. Keep like, it going. You, don't worry. See all the patriotism. You're not patriotic enough. <laughs> right. Get back to work and whip out that wallet. Uh, right. Civilian. So I, I like that. My favorite poster would be a painting 
of the pitch meeting for these posters. <laughs> like a bunch of guys in shirt sleeves and like so much smoke. Like they're all smoking and stuff like that. So there's like, let me at them. No, that's not quite right. Like they just have this bulletin board <laughs> with all these dumb. Not a darn sight. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, as Kyle, uh, when Kyle and Rob were on with us, uh, Kyle pointed out that Stan Lee was actually one of the guys behind stuff like this. Although, what was really? his? Do you remember? It was something about like, don't come back with STDs or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, right. it was <laughs> not, not what you'd expect for Stan yeah. Lee uh, in terms yeah. of getting his start. Yeah, that was a strange way to kick off a career. Be careful but. on shore leave, soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your mouth a shut. A ship in your... every port, also gonorrhea. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut and your pants on. Oh. For freedom. <laughs> For freedom. <laughs> All right. So those are the propaganda posters. Uh, in this minute, we also have, we finish up with our casting directors, uh, Sarah, Sarah Halley Finn, Randy Hiller, and Priscilla John. And, uh, uh, and then we move into the cast. And I'm going to ask a question because... In this minute, we have the cast in a particular order. And then in tomorrow's minute, we have the cast, but in a different order. And so I want to get a sense from the two of you, which order do you prefer? Or do you think, let's just say, since we're not going to be talking about them in the same minute, what do you think of the order? Did they mess it up? And I know it's all based on contracts and stuff, but but I'm just curious how everybody uh, thinks of this. Because this in the way we see it here, it goes Chris Evans, Tommy Lee Jones, Hugo Weaving, Haley Atwell, Sebastian Stan, Dominic Cooper, Toby Jones, Neil McDonough, Derek Luke, Bruno Ricci, J.J. Field, Kenneth Choi, Richard Armitage, and Stanley Tucci. Do you like the order here? <laughs> Going from Chris Evans, I mean, yes, it makes sense he's the first one. Yes. Tommy Lee Jones, second. I think I think Hugo Weaving should be second. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, Hugo Weaving that. for second. Okay. Uh, and then Hugo Weaving for third. I think Haley Atwell should be third. Haley Atwell third. Okay, so you would Who's go Chris, Captain you Carter? go Haley. That's yeah. Agent Carter, correct. Got it. And then Sebastian Stan. Mm, yeah, I think. Well, I'm, yeah, maybe. Maybe, the, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones, in terms of, like, importance to the show, to the film, maybe, maybe Tommy Lee Jones. Sebastian Stan isn't that, like, he's not, I don't think he's as important as Tommy Lee Jones. Not yet. Not yet, yet right. right. So at this point, you would say Chris Evans, Hugo Weaving, Haley Atwell, Tommy Lee Jones, Sebastian Stan. Yeah. Now, what about Dominic Cooper? Who is that? Yeah, he's fine. He's, that's that's uh, Howard Stark. Daddy Stark. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So below Sebastian Stan. What about Toby Jones? I'm okay with him next. But below Dominic Cooper? I would put him above Dominic Cooper. I'm with Andy. Really? I've just changed my okay. mind. I mean, exactly. he's a bigger right. part of the movie, I think. Yeah, no, I guess you're right. Are we are we going to be able to actually render these out in time to get them in the VOD release of this movie? These oh, edits? absolutely. Absolutely. Are they still taking notes? <laughs> I don't know. I have to call Kevin. <laughs> I would actually, I, I'm torn if I would put Toby Jones actually above Sebastian Stan because I think that he, he plays a, such a bigger part in this film. I mean, I guess I'd leave Sebastian Stan five, Toby Jones six, and then Dominic Cooper seven. Dominic Cooper, yeah. No, I, I just I think next I do like going to the Howling Commandos next, and I like led by Neil McDonough, and I'm actually on board with the and Stanley Tucci because Tucci deserves an and. Yep, and I I think that's nice. 
Okay. Now, uh, so you're fine with it going Neil McDonough, Derek Luke, then we've got Bruno, JJ Kenneth. Now, the one that's thrown in there with the the Howling Commandos is Richard Armitage, who, of course, plays the Nazi sp- or the the Hydra spy, right? He he is the one who um, oh. is kind of lumped in here with the Howling Commandos. I don't think he gets I don't I would drop him out of the this run. <laughs> really? OK, get him out of the movie. No, guy, like it's fine. But he's he's last like he's very, very last. I don't think he needs to be grouped in either because he's not one of those guys. Well, it was weird that he's grouped in. I mean, it's weird yeah. that they have Neil and Derek separate, but they're obviously the bigger names than Bruno J.J. Yeah. or Kenneth. Um, and Richard, I mean, he's got a, a decent part, you know, so you mm-hmm. don't you wouldn't put him in this section at all, though. Well, d- the question is, does he I, I mean, what the problem is he's grouped with this with the wrong people. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe he needs to be grouped up with like Toby Jones or something like that. Right. Like, oh, maybe sure. it's. You know, keep him with that and then let the Howling Commandos be their own thing. Tommy, in case you're not sure about Richard Armitage, he plays um, in one of your favorite trilogies, yeah, The Hobbit. Huge. He, he plays. <laughs> oh, is he the one who concealed in the, he's very the beginning? Main, he's the main dwarf in the he's the one who gets the gem at the end one and starts getting uh What's it called? Gem, gem disease. Yeah, he goes gem crazy. He's all candy crush in that cave. <laughs> What's the name of the Game of Thrones actor in the very beginning? Uh, when the tank runs through the cave. Yeah. The, he plays oh. like a really jerk king of Game of yeah. Thrones, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He He's uh, David Bradley. He Got was it. also yeah. very uh, uh, well known from the uh, Cornetto trilogy. Got it. I mean, <laughs> and Harry Potter. Yes. Yeah. All of that stuff. So, uh, but he's not in here. Um, now, it, but would you include him? My next question was, is there anybody else that you would say they're important enough to the film that they should be one of these special names at the top? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, who's that, Pete? Lex Shrapnel. Lex Gilmore Shrapnel. Hodge. Oh, all right. Lex so Pete. Shrapnel. Yep. <laughs> that sounds like a hundred percent. Yeah. He, he is the greatest cutaway, uh, <laughs> cutaway, <laughs> like reaction shot face of the whole movie. Every, he is the most disappointed alpha uh, every every time. <laughs> oh, I wish that he had more to do. I really do because yeah. he's just it, was, it would have been a fun part to continue. Tommy, is there anyone else you would add in based on the half of the movies? <laughs> uh, I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> you think you're good? Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's pretty good. Um, we'll talk about this more tomorrow when we get into the rest of it. Oh. Andy, wait a minute. <gasps> wait a minute. Stop the press. Wait. Before you submit your notes. What about Leander Dini? Well, uh so so Tommy, Leander Dini played Puny Steve. He was the he was the body for uh for uh yeah, for the small Steve. Well that's interesting. Rogers. And he uh, was also the bartender at one point. And he does come in and play the bar bartender. Um that's an interesting one. I could see that huh. I could see him being credited in the beginning because he does play such a critical part of it. I, I'm totally fine with that. I I feel like maybe he needs to actually be number two after Chris, but the font needs to be a little smaller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like just peeking his head over it. <laughs> like <Right>. the plane. <laughs> did they... Oh, do you remember in the social network, did they give army hammers that other guy that played other army hammer like credit up top okay Uh, up top i don't believe so because i 
I believe he was only in it as um, he played a guy who came to the door at one point um, as an actual, like just a character who knocked oh, on the I door. And, and, and I think he may have only been credited as that. And then as body double as body. Um, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm not exactly sure. What was his, now I'm checking uh, Josh Pence. He was credited actually as Tyler Winklevoss. <laughs> so oh, that. okay. Yeah. But that's that's an interesting one because that was um that was a full performance by Josh Pence as Tyler Winklevoss yeah. and then they just replaced his face with Army Hammer. Whereas in this film Leander Dini was just the physicality morphed. Well, yeah. no, he was the small body, but they also did a lot of like there were a lot of things that went into the tech to kind of do this like morphing the body and sometimes Sometimes it was just Chris like kneeling on something, and <laughs> then they would just like digitally thin his face up, shrink things like his that. neck. Yeah. yeah, wow. So it's a it's a whole other thing. But yes, I do think that Leander Dini. I mean, hey, come on. If uh, if um, uh, Josh Pence could have been credited for Tyler in Social Network, why not? Agreed. Dini for this film. Here, here. Uh, what about the senator, Senator Brandt, Pete? And Tommy, you've probably seen almost all of his performance. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, that's actually, that's really interesting, Andy. I don't think I would give him much credit up front here. Me either. Okay. His, okay. Yeah, I don't think his part is enough. It's not a complex role, but he does have some big scenes, like where he's pitching the whole thing to to Steve and everything, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I I guess, but. He and Private Lorraine. So did Private Lorraine. <laughs> well, in the credits, he and Private La- Lorraine. Well, let's see. It's it's Gilmore Hodge, Senator Brandt, Brandt's yeah. aide, and Private Lorraine are the four actors who are in kind of the top like supporting role li- lineup. Yeah. Before it it gets to the bit players, so there the, there are really those only those four and Leander Dini who don't make it into this. Yeah, that's that. And I think that's fine. I think that's fine. I I think they're all they're all great. And I don't know that they merit a war poster. I'd argue that they just all need better agents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both of those things can be true. Yeah, yes, exactly. All right. Well, we end this minute uh, starting to get kind of those uh, the end of the opening credits, Paramount Pictures and Marvel Entertainment present. And that's kind of where things end. So um, let's kind of continue this conversation tomorrow. We will jump back into some more stuff uh, and uh, see where we go from here. So what do you think? Sounds good. See you tomorrow, gents. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Well, Tommy, um, as I mentioned up front, you are the director of 30 Nights of Sex to Save. I I feel like it should be like, um, what's that Woody Allen movie? Um, sleeper everything everything you always want to know about sex, oh, parentheses, about sex we're afraid to ask. but we're afraid to ask yeah. i think yep. it, i think because of the way that it got retitled by amazon right to just 30 nights by our uh, sales agents sales agents well we we wanted it to be 30 nights and that's how it was supposed to be and then we're actually just 30 nights of sex in certain countries something that i had <laughs> write them right in the contract this cannot be the name of it here in the states and some places it is <laughs> so. i saw it in Bra- i saw it in brazil and it's called to save your marriage question mark 30 nights of sex yeah it's all in the, it's, it's a, the parenthesis the question marks really important yeah that's funny <laughs>
But anyway, it, but it is out there and people can check it out. So where uh, can people find it these days? Uh, we are in transition. We were on Amazon Prime for a long time now. They're switching us over to something else, I think, to freebie. But we are on Tubi. You can find it for free on Tubi. T-U-B-I, and that's a real Tubi place. before you moved to Freebie? Yep. <laughs> Tubi Freebie. You moved from Amazon Prime yeah. to Tubi? To Tubi. Before you moved to Freebie? Right, and then the next in line is Scooby, <laughs> and then we just keep going down. <laughs> and then Doobie. And then Doobie, yeah. Let's get the All Scat channel. <laughs> yeah, so check it out. Yeah, so check it out, everybody. It is a very fun movie. And that's it. So we'll be back tomorrow. Tommy, thank you so much for joining us to talk about credits today. We certainly appreciate it. You always make it fun. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) And Pete, thanks as always. Maybe tomorrow we'll find out who played Loud Jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.